The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Let's get to Carrie Craig. Carrie is the global equity strategist at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. He joins from Melbourne. Carrie, thanks for being with us. Uh, a lot going on in markets. The crypto story has really captivated many people's imagination. And among other things, it's created some haven buying in U.S. Treasuries, and that in turn has sent yields much, much lower. We've got the CPI print tomorrow morning in the U.S. Are you comfortable with rates where they are right now? Would you be a buyer of U.S. Treasuries on the notion that we have seen some sort of peak inflation? The Fed may be adjusting its pace of rate hikes to a, a lower uh, level? Are, are you comfortable with where the bond market is right now? Hi, Doug. Uh, I think when it comes to the outlook for rates and where yields are, I mean, you definitely argue that there's more likely to be uh, downward pressure on yields in the U.S. Treasury market than upward pressure, given uh, some of those safe haven flow concerns and uh, the risk to the outlook for the U.S. economy. Um, obviously, there's still a degree of uncertainty about where exactly the terminal rate is for the Fed over the coming year. I mean, they, they cracked open the door to a 5% rate uh, at last meeting, and they, they may go higher. Uh, and there's still that uncertainty as well around just how sticky those core components of inflation will be. So it's not entirely impossible to see rates move a little bit higher. But I do think for us, we've been allocating or advocating uh, that investors should be looking more towards duration to increasing that duration from large underweights they've had for a long time this year because we do see bond markets and core government bonds markets now fulfilling a role of both uh, having income and offering diversification to portfolios, which is quite frankly what you need given the outlook uh, for the uncertain outlook for the, the risk assets out there. So, Kerry, where do you see the peak in inflation and in real rates too? I mean, I think Barclays earlier this week said it was kind of like pointing your finger at a dartboard, which is not probably what investors want to hear when they want some more clarity out there. Yeah, at the moment when you're trying to figure out like where's the peak in inflation or where's the peak in yields or where's the low in the equity market, it's like, it's like being given directions of saying take the second left before you get to the bridge without knowing mm. where the bridge is. I mean, you're kind of guessing about where exactly you should turn uh, and the risk is that you turn too early. Uh, for us, I think the outlook for the U.S. inflation is that it's peaked, is coming down. I do expect inflation to be you know, a few tenths lower when it's announced uh, later on uh, today in, in the Australian time. Um, and I think that will continue its downward tr- trend. I mean, you are seeing 
uh, indications of, of some early softening in the labor market coming through, even though things are still very tight. Uh, you are seeing the housing market starting to slow and that will you know, gradually ease some of those shelter costs within the inflation basket. Um, but it's about how fast it comes down, not where it comes, whether it comes down and where it actually ends up. And that's the, the thing there is the uncertainty about. And so I think for the US, at least you can say you've passed the peak in that and you can probably say you've past the, the absolute peak in hawkishness, given we do expect the size of rate hikes to be uh, less in the coming meetings, even if they, they may move the terminal rate higher. In other markets like the Australian market or Europe, I mean, we're still looking for that peak though, that, that peak in inflation is likely to happen uh, in the last quarter of this year or early into next year, given uh, some of the delayed impacts that are feeding through into those economies. So I'm listening to your points and I'm trying to understand how to get exposure in markets right now. And it sounds to me like I want to be in the corporate bond market more than I want to be in the equity market very quickly, 30 seconds or so. Safe bet? I think that's true. You want quality uh, and your bias in your portfolio. And that does lead to high grade corporate bonds where valuations are, are still good. You get an income and you get in defense. Uh, we've seen a pretty good start to the month for Asian equities up some 5%. Is that something that is driven on fundamentals or are we expecting to see uh, you know, a little bit of a, a pause coming through given we still have the uncertain picture in China with them sticking to COVID zero? Well, I think some of the, the movement you've seen in Asia obviously has been around the prospect of a, a reopening in China in terms of the performance. I mean, we had a, a one-week gain there last week of a close to a 10% uh, for the MSCI China. Uh, but I think more broadly, you're seeing the impulse of reopening still coming through many uh, Asian markets and helping lift domestic demand at a time when uh, external demand is being weaker. So the idea that the Asian region might be slightly more resilient, particularly the southern nations, uh, to some of the weaknesses happening in the global economy and, and some of the, the weakness you might see in the North Asian economies like China, uh, Taiwan and Korea from the uh, global goods cycle slowing down is helping lift uh, the markets here relative to the rest of the world. We're going to have a new premier come March. This is Li Keqiang. Um, Li Qiang, I'm sorry, sometimes my opinion gets a, a little rusty. Um, are you heartened by this, uh, this movement toward maybe uh, less liberalism on the part of Beijing, or, or maybe are you more concerned about it? I think when it comes to the, the, the policy decisions from China, we're looking for two things. Obviously, we've had the National People's Congress, which is sort of outlining the longer term goals. And there wasn't a huge difference there between what we heard before. I think what we're really looking for is, is how we might see over the next uh, couple of months when we get all these key meetings around their short term policies when it comes to COVID, when it comes to reopening, when it comes to some of those regulatory headwinds that have been in the past and how they're changing really to lift sentiment both for consumers in China, for, for companies, and obviously for investor sentiment. Uh, we do see the, the long run potential in China being you know very huge. Uh, we do see the rotation towards a lot of those things around technology and that self-sustainability being quite key investment themes. Uh, but again, it's just the sentiment factor that's getting in the way at the moment. Obviously, valuations have, have become much more favorable over the course of this year. It's all about the timing of the reopening, I guess, in China, because it does seem as well that they're trying to prep the population too. So even if you do see some kind of a timeline after the NPC, does that still take another six months or so? But it's a trade you don't want to be behind. What kind of rally would you expect to see when we do get official confirmation? 
I look back to the rally you had earlier in the year when you had the initial reopening, the market jumped back uh, very sharply. Uh, it might not perform the same this time. I still, we still have the concerns and the overhang from the property market, the deleveraging that still has to happen there. Um, and again, while you're seeing some stabilisation there, uh, we, we don't expect you know that to continue indefinitely because of the, the help from the support from the government and the fact that you are seeing projects that are underway being completed rather than new projects being started. Uh, so I think that's still something that may, may be a word of caution, but we would expect the market to come back up. And I think more broadly in the global economic context, as we think about weakness in Europe, weakness in, in the US, you're really looking towards China as being, you know, can that be the spark that sort of reignites resentment uh, around the world, or at least the APAC region more broadly yeah. uh, in 2023? Well, that was my next question. If you look at some of the satellite markets, whether it's uh, South Korea or Japan or where you are in Australia, I mean, are you favoring one market over another? Uh, we are looking towards the more uh, Southeast Asian nations, given that the domestic demand that's coming through. And again, those uh, headwinds in the global goods cycle not being quite as severe uh, compared to, say, t uh, Taiwan and Korea. Um, and then locally in Australia, obviously, you've got a market that or an economy that's being much more resilient to the, to the slowdown we've seen elsewhere. We've still got good commodity prices, which are helping uh, deliver incomes through dividends to households and that defensive bias that comes with that as a market. So I think definitely within the region, I think Asia, Southeast Asia is looking a little bit better to us. And again, Australia has uh, some good potential coming through and valuations here are very attractive as well. And just a final quick word on Australia. When do we see peak rates from the RBA? Oh, our view is probably sooner than many others. We think, you know, you get another uh, base, another 25 basis points this year and then maybe one more into the early part of next year. And then you'll be seeing a relatively extended pause as we look for the, the change in, in mortgage rates to actually feed through to the household consumer sector. Uh, and some of those concerns offshore may be um, starting to bite here as well. So we don't think we're too far off in terms of thinking about a peak in the cash rate here in Australia. All right. Music to my ears as a mortgage holder. Thank you. Kerry Craig, Global Equity Strategist at JP Morgan Asset Management on the line from Melbourne for us here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.